So let me ask you a question about worship. What does the worship of God smell like? What is a life walking with God in his peace, in his joy? What does that life smell like? I got a cold, so I can't smell really well. You have to smell for me. See, what we're going to find is that if you hung out in tabernacle any time during the wilderness wanderings, to come to God's place of worship was to always smell a barbecue. There was always cattle, sheep, goats being barbecued. And so there's this constant aroma of a barbecue around the worship of God. And and generous giving and generous living was like the sweet-smelling aroma of steak filling the room and ascending up into the sky. And if maybe you're not a carnivore, maybe it's the sweet smell of asparagus with lemon pepper on it and freshly squeezed lemon in it filling the kitchen. But for worship in tabernacle, it was the sweet smell of barbecue. And today I want to talk about generous giving and generous living. That when you understand how generous God has been to us, that we live with generous giving. And there's this sweet-smelling aroma. You'll see that phrase occur over and over and over in this chapter today. The aroma of steak filling the room and reaching into the sky. In fact, in Numbers, they'll say it this way. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Command the children of Israel, saying, My offering, my burnt offering, my food for my offerings, it's made by fire. You cook it. You make it. And it's going to be like a sweet aroma to me. But I want you to be careful to offer it to me at this appointed time. He's going to talk a lot about different times. So I want you to think about our passage today like a series of steaks. We're going to pull the steak out and we're going to find that our life is not to be a dead sacrifice but a living sacrifice. Generous living, generous giving, have certain appointed times that we pull the stake out and we're reminded of who God is. We want our life to live in such a way, to love in such a way that those around us are drawn to the smell of it, drawn to the, to the impact of it, and that God sees the ways we serve, the ways we, we love. He knows that the moment you don't want to apologize but you choose to apologize, he smells that. The moment would be easier to keep money in the savings account, but you write a check to God to say, God, you're first in my life. God smells that. The moment you get irritated at your kids, and, and they probably deserve it, but you choose mercy and depend on his patience. God smells that too. So what are the appointed times? Well, the appointed times for these stake offerings, or I'll call them stakeouts, he's going to give us Daily stakeouts, weekly stakeouts, monthly stakeouts, and annual stakeouts. Habits in our life that align us to who God is and his priorities in our life. You see, we, our alignment is out of whack. We get out of whack. We need regular patterns or habits in our life to remind us what is true about God and what is true about ourselves. So let's look at our first stakeout together. The first stakeout is this daily pattern. Do you have any daily habits or daily patterns 
That's what this first stakeout really is. It's these daily things God called his people to do to keep themselves aligned to him. It begins in verse 3. He says it this way. You shall say to them, this is the offering made by fire. So again, you can see they're cooking. It's cooking time again. And this offering made by fire, this barbecue, which you shall offer to the Lord, you're going to get two male lambs. In the first year, without blemish, you give God your very best because you know that God only gives you his very best. And I want you to do this particular stakeout day by day. It's a regular pattern in your life, a regular burnt offering. Now, of the two lambs that you have, one I want you to offer in the morning and the other I want you to offer in the evening. And it's not just the steak from the lamb. I also want you to offer one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour. Now, we talked about this in the Leviticus series. We don't think about this as particularly valuable because we can drive down to Kroger or Publix and we can get it for like a couple bucks. But imagine you're wandering in the wilderness. How hard is it to find fine flour to grow those crops when you've been wandering, to take the time to crush and hand-wield it out to get fine flour? This was an incredible valuable, precious commodity. Took time and effort. And the same thing with your lamb, by the way. A lamb was like your, not just your salary, it was like your factory. Lambs produce more lambs. So to give God your best lamb and your best steak was to give God your most valuable part of the company, your most valuable part of your production line. You were to give God that lamb and then that ephah of fine flour, your very best, mixed with oil, pressed oil. And so here's this idea that there was a daily occurrence, both in the morning and in the evening, that you were to align yourself to who God is and remind God that you want to give him your best because he'd given you his best as well. Then I want you to give a drink offering, shall be one-fourth of a hand of each lamb, and in a holy place, you will pour out the drink to the Lord. God, this is the best, and I'm giving it to you. The other lamb you shall offer in the evening as the morning grain offering and as drink offering. You shall offer it as an offering made by fire. And here's that first phrase we already mentioned once. God sees that as a sweet aroma to the Lord. Now, we're not doing a lot of killing of lambs post-Jesus who fulfilled those sacrifices. But I think our application is, do you have daily practices that schedule your priorities? Do you have a habit that every morning you get up and you take a moment to thank God for what He's done, His mercies anew every morning? Do you have a daily habit that in the evening you review your day with God and, and read the Bible maybe for a minute or two and thank God for His provision for the day, His wisdom for the day? Do you have a daily habits where you're Thanking God or confessing to God areas which you got of alignment with Him or, or fell into temptation? Do you have daily patterns of looking at everything God's given to you and saying, God, how can I steward your resources? Maybe that's a daily habit of writing a check to one of God's priorities. Maybe one of those is here at Horizon. Maybe one of those is, is something God nudges you during the day on. We need daily habits, rhythms to keep us aligned with Him. I was talking to a friend who was in the hospital this year for a prolonged period of time. He said, you know, Chad, I've been so busy in life. I always talked about the importance of daily confession and daily Bible study, but I didn't really do it until I'm in the hospital. 
Now I got plenty of time. And I got to tell you, it has fed my soul so well to think through my day with God, to review my day with God, to have daily confession of, of attitudes I had or habits I had or the way I spoke today. I'm so aligned with God. I hope these habits continue when I get back to regular life. Do you have daily habits of giving and living, of reflection and gratitude to align yourself with God? I'm reading a book right now called The King Jesus by a guy named David Young. He's got a, uh, uh, a uh, I guess a canister is the wrong term, but he's got a bottle of wine that he got from a very specific place in Israel. There's this place called Shiloh Vineyard, and it has this wine that comes from the, the hills of Samaria. And he has this bottle of wine he keeps in his wine rack, so every time he walks past it, he says, I'm never going to drink it. I said, like, why is that? The reason he's not going to drink it is because there's a promise in Jeremiah when the vineyards had all been wiped out and all been destroyed. Jeremiah says, but one day wine will flow again from the hills of Samaria. So he has a bottle of wine from the hills of Samaria, a reminder that God kept his promise. And so when he's facing whatever he's facing, he can look at that bottle of wine and saying, God kept his promise to those in 500 B.C., and I've got a bottle of wine to prove it, and I'm going to trust him in my life as well. Daily habits. But he moves on, again, pointed times. It's not just daily habits, but it's also weekly habits. There's weekly things you need to do to keep yourself in rhythm to God. Many of us have the rhythm of coming to church where we pray together, we confess together, we, we study the Bible together, we sing songs together. But here's what he says in this kind of second stakeout. The second stakeout, we've gone from now daily to weekly. What are the weekly things that we need to do? Now on the Sabbath day, that was Saturday for them, switched to Sunday when Jesus was resurrected for those who are Jewish Christians. On the Sabbath day, two lambs in their first year without blemish, give God your very best, not your leftovers, Two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour again, grain offering, mixed with oil, again the pressed oil with its drink offering. This is a burnt offering, and you're to do this every Sabbath. Besides the regular burnt offering with its drink offering. So besides your daily rhythm, and, and honestly, I can't quite figure out if your sacrifice like that's, that's a lot of dead cows here, a lot of dead sheep. Is this per family, per person, or per tribe? With two million people around, that's a lot of sacrifices. So maybe it was per tribe, maybe it was per family unit. I really can't figure it out, to be honest. But there was a regular rhythm which you and your family knew that this happened daily and this happened weekly. And this was a burnt offering that you were to offer every single week. I know for many of you, you say, you know, it's for me coming to Horizon, whether I'm watching online or whether I'm watching out in the tent or whether I'm here in the room, there's something about corporate worship, singing together, being encouraged by one another. It just fills me up. Other people, their rhythm is, I just love the idea of once a week, it'd be easy to do auto debit. I love once a week writing a check and I love coming to church and dropping it in the box It's saying, God, I'm trusting you that everything I have is yours and thank you for being my provider. Some of us, it's, it's weekly Bible studies. It's that weekly Bible study during the week with other men and women. And that rhythm is our burnt offering of saying, God, I'm going to be filled up by gathering together with other people to iron sharpening iron 
help me understand what your word says and what your promises are. Do you have weekly rhythms? And what is a burnt offering anyway? It's interesting when you go back to Leviticus in chapter 1 and it gives a little more detail in chapter 6. It says that a burnt offering, the one he's mostly talking about here, has to be a firstborn male without blemish. You'll see that a peace offering can be male or female. But without blemish, give God your best. It could be a bull, a ram, a he-goat, a turtle dove, or a young pigeon. And the reason God had different options is because depending on your financial state, there were ways that somebody who was poor or impoverished could still give their best to God. And they couldn't afford a cattle. That was a very expensive commodity. If you remember Mary and Joseph, when Jesus was born, they offered two turtle doves. That was the offering of those who were poor. Of saying, God, we're giving our best and we can afford the turtle doves. And the burnt offering would be given in several different times. It would be given regular public offerings, like we looked at already, twice daily, that burnt offering. But also on Sabbath, you'd give a double portion, a double reminder. God, I love you. I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for your provision to me. Something you did doubly once a week. The burnt offering also could be done during seasonal public offerings. You would do it during the Passover festival or the Feast of Tabernacle or the New Year or Day of Atonement. But also you do it on private events, a family feast, a birth, or a marriage. That's just so neat, that it, and that's where you see Mary and Joseph giving that sacrifice when Jesus is born. God, thank you so much for giving you our best, these little turtle doves, to say thank you for giving your best by putting Jesus in our life in this manger for the world to be changed. So that's a burnt offering, a very generous gift given weekly before God to thank him for giving his best to you. Now contrast that from a peace offering, (coughs) which is also alluded to in the Bible. A peace offering could be male or female without blemish. You just burn the fat on the altar and you got to eat the rest, which is kind of sweet. God said, I'll take the fat and then you get to eat the rest of it when you came to sacrifice. It's barbecue time. So male or female, and again, it could be uh, cattle or sheep or it could be goats, but no fowl or substitutes for a peace offering. You could give it to say thanks to God. God, thank you for what you're doing in my life. You could do it as a vow offering. God, I'm going to make a vow for the next 30 days. I'm going to be fasting to try and draw near to you, and I want you to draw near to me. It could be a free will offering. God, it has been a bumper crop. I've got an incredible bonus. God, I, I have just had the best year, the best month. I want to give a, an extra above and beyond gift to say thank you for your provision. The peace offering. So either way, there's these daily sacrifices and now there's these weekly stakeouts. And a weekly stakeout is weekly pausing to remind us of who provides for us. We're not good at pausing ever, but what if once a week you took rhythm to rest and just remember that his mercies are new every morning. To take a list of not your grievances before God or the things you want from God, but the ways he's provided to you. How might your soul be better? How might your, your mind be better? How might your, your perspective or even your countenance be better if once a week we paused enough to reflect on who provides for us, the breath in our lungs, the jobs that we have, the talents that we have, all the things he's given to us. You see, we need these rhythms in our life to keep ourselves aligned to God. So we go now from daily 
to weekly to monthly. He moves to a, a third stakeout, and now it's monthly rhythms he wants in your life and mine to keep us aligned to God. So third stakeout, at the beginning of your months, now we're going to talk about monthly ones, you will present a burnt offering to the Lord. We already talked about what a burnt offering was. Two young bulls, one ram, seven lambs in the first year. Again, give God your very best without blemish. Three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour as a grain offering. Mix with the oil again. Uh, for one ram and one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering for the Lord. So you're seeing a lot of repeat of what happened daily or weekly, but once a month it's kind of a big deal, big reminder once a month. As a burnt offering, and God says, again, this, when I smell this, when I see you do this, it is a sweet aroma to me. God is, you know, spinning planets. He's got all kinds of stuff going on in the universe. He's like, whoa, you smell something? Oh, look at that gratitude. Look at that generosity. Look at that moment of reflection. You get God's attention. Just like smelling apple pie when you walk into grandma's house. It grabs your attention. Your generosity, your service, your reflection, your gratitude to God, it grabs God's attention. It's an offering made by fire to the Lord. It's a barbecue. Their drink offering shall be half a win of fine for a bull, one-third of a hen for a ram. Same things we talked about earlier. Uh, keep going down. Also, one kid of the goats as a sin offering to the Lord shall be offered besides the regular burnt offering and its drink offering. So there's this, there's this third stakeout, this monthly coordinating of your calendar with God's. Once a month, you would coordinate your burnt offering, your thanksgiving, and your heart to God. I know people who do this, Christians who would say, hey, I'm not, you know, killing any goats and, and cattle anymore, but once a month I want to coordinate my calendar with God's. God, here's what I think I have planned for the next month. Let me pray through these priorities. Is this where you want me to spend my time and my energy? As James says, you might say, well, tomorrow I would do such and such. Instead say, if it is God's will... I will do such and such tomorrow. How do I align what I'm doing with my time, my talents, and my treasure to what God's plan is for the next month? And, and have you put rhythms into your life to remind you? Rhythms can be so important to us. Habits can be so important to us. Do you have any monthly habits of kind of aligning your schedule, aligning your gratitude, aligning your plans to say, God, here's what I think I want to do. Let me make sure it's what you want me to do. And have I put time in there, things that matter to you, like family and marriage? Or have things gotten crowded out? Is this a season where I could do a Bible study again and, and engage in that again? Because I've been out of that for a couple seasons. I've got a couple of those I have. I've got this particular bridge that I drive over. And uh, sometimes, depending on what route I'm taking, I'm, I'm going over that bridge daily. And sometimes it's only once a month. But every time I go over that bridge, I get to the peak of the bridge and I out loud say something I'm thankful for. Just kind of a funny thing I do. So I'm going over the bridge. I get to the very peak of the bridge. I look left, look right. And I just say, God, I'm so thankful for how faithful you've been the last couple of years. It's been a difficult, difficult couple of years with a lot of challenges. But God, man, thank you that you've been gyro enough. And so now whenever somebody's in me in the car, I'm like, hey, guys, just so you know, I'm about to come with the bridge. One of the things I do is I thank God. So if you want to, you got to say out loud. You're in the car with me, you got to say out loud something you're thankful for. So every time I go over the bridge, it's kind of this, this kind of monthly rhythm um, to when I'm near the bridge to say that. When Sierra went to college, 
I wanted to find that. I said, Sierra, I know you're in college now. You're not going to think about mom and dad. You're in Missouri. Um, so that's okay that you're not going to think about us. But let's stick a rhythm in place. So at least every once in a while you'll think of us. So she was in College of the Ozark, which is right, right next to this gigantic dam. And so I said, every time you drive past the dam, D-A-M, I want you to send me some damn pictures. <laughs> and that's the way of remembering that you're remembering us. And so uh, during the, the, the four years she was in college or three years she was in college, she would take a picture and she would send me a picture. Uh, she sent me my damn pictures. And then one of the rhythms we have as a family is we go to East Fork Lake a lot. And East Fork's right on a dam. So every time I was going to East Fork with Quinn or Beth or with Javen, we'd take a picture of, 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 of our dam. And so we'd send pictures back and forth. In fact, I was learning to fly a little bit during that time, and so I was flying over East Fork, and so I turned to my buddy who was flying, and I said, hey, could you take a, a picture? Why? Because I need some damn pictures to send to my daughter. So I took a picture. So anyway, you may not find that funny. My dad doesn't find that humor funny at all. So another thing that's funny is we kind of like the ribs my dad. So um, that was kind of a rhythm we put in place just to remind ourselves we were thinking of each other, and we were joking around together. Do you have any of those kind of rhythms in your life to remind yourself to be grateful, to be thinking of God, to be thinking of people who are, who are at a distance? So we move from our third stake out to our fourth. And it's just amazing just how practical this is because now he says you've got daily rhythms, you've got weekly rhythms, you've got monthly rhythms. Do you have any annual rhythms? I want you to have an annual rhythm for seven full days. You think about the fact that I provided a Passover lamb for you. And he goes into a lot of detail on this. Once a year, I want you to spend an entire week thinking about this. On the 14th day of the first month is the Passover of the Lord. And on the 15th day of the month is the feast. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. I want you to think about this. My provision, my faithfulness, what I did. I rescued you from something you could not rescue yourself from. I provided a lamb so judgment would pass over seven days. Now, on the first day of the seven days, it's a holy convocation, meaning it, it, treat it just like the Sabbath. You don't work. All the Sabbath rules are in place. Do no customary work. You'll present an offering made with fire as a burnt offering. You go through all the details of that we've talked about already. And, and quick reminder, now Jesus is going to show up 1,500 years later, right? So 1,500 B.C., Moses is writing this. Jesus shows up, and around 30-ish, 33 A.D., Jesus dies. And on the year he dies, there is a Sabbath that they knew as Lamb Selection Sunday. That is the very Sabbath that Jesus walks in in the triumphal entry, presenting himself to the people. That was the same day that you as a Jewish family would select your lamb from your flock. And that's the very day Jesus chose, chose to show himself. That would begin a, a a multi-day process before Passover began of thinking about Passover. So Jesus had a Passover feast with his disciples all that week. But the Passover feast was kind of a pre-Passover. Jesus then dies on actual Passover, which I believe is either Wednesday night or Thursday morning. In order to get three days and three nights in the grave, I have Jesus dying on Thursday. Either way, Jesus dies on Passover, having had a Passover meal, thinking about it days in advance, practicing what's said here in Numbers. He then will be buried in the ground during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, a time that you prayed to God to bring out of the ground what you most needed. 
pretty amazing. Everybody's praying for, their, for God to bring out of their crops what they most needed. And God's bringing out of the ground Jesus' actual body. Then there's another Jewish festival, a holy convocation. At the end of that, it was called First Fruits. And that is going to last during this entire week. So remember, it's seven days. We'll come back to that in a second. All right. So the grain offering will be mixed with fine flour. We've already talked about this. Some of the same things that happen weekly or monthly you're going to do. Two-tenths of a ram, one-tenth of an ephah of the seven lambs, goat. It's going to make atonement for you. Besides this burnt offering in the morning, it's a regular burnt offering. So just kind of the weekly, monthly stuff kind of all packed together here. In the manner you shall offer the food of the aroma made by fire daily for seven days, every day for the seven days. God, thank you for your Passover. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your deliverance. And God says, you know what? When I see you doing that once a year, it's going to be a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. It shall be offered besides the regular burnt offering and drink offering. And on the seventh day of Passover that you're thinking about this once a year, it's also going to be a holy convocation, no work on that day, treated like a Sabbath. On the day of first fruits, when you bring a new grain offering to the Lord at your week, at what's called the Feast of Weeks. So first fruits, you bring a new grain offering. And it's also a holy convocation. All right, this is just amazing to me. 1,500 years predicted in advance by Moses, Jesus dies on Passover, he's buried in the ground during unleavened bread, and he comes to life and resurrection Sunday on the festival of first fruits, exactly as Moses predicted 1,500 years later. Now, let's talk about first fruits. First fruits has multiple meanings. The main meaning is a giving metaphor. You planted your crops, the crops have grown. It's the time of the season that the first piece of fruit has come out. So if you're planting a vineyard, it's the first grape. If it's wheat, it's the first piece of wheat. If you grew up in Illinois, uh, it's the first corn on the cob that can be eaten. So you would take the first fruit, the grape, the corn, the wheat, and you're like, man, this is the first piece. I've been waiting six, nine months for this, all year for this. You would take the first piece, the best piece, and you would give the first piece to God, your first fruits. That's why many people today to practice that say, hey, when I get my check every two weeks or my check every month, you know, the first check I write is my tithe check to say, God, I want to give my first fruits to you. And I think it's a good habit. It's a good habit for us to say, I want to give to God's priorities, to God's house, to God's work, the first check from what I give. And I think it's a good practice of first fruits. So that's the first thing. It was a looking at my livelihood and giving God the first part of my livelihood. But it's so much cooler than that. I mean, that's pretty cool as a habit. When Jesus resurrects himself from the dead, there's this really bizarre line. It's only in one of the Gospels, and it's a throwaway line with no explanation. It says, when Jesus rose himself from the dead, he also raised several other people from the dead. You're looking at the Bible like, no more explanation? Why would Jesus, on the day he rose from the dead, raise a group of other people from the dead? Well, hold that thought. When you were giving God a portion of your vineyard, you're saying, God, here's my first fruit. I'm giving you the first part of the harvest to come. So think about that. God, I'm giving you the first part of the harvest, and I'm trusting you to bring the rest of the grapes in the future. I'm giving you, God, the first part of the wheat, and I'm trusting you to provide for the harvest to come. 
So when Jesus is risen on first fruits, he provides God a first fruit offering. He gives the first part of a group of people who are resurrected to God so that you and I can know for sure that we are the harvest to come. We can know he's going to resurrect us because he resurrected a handful of people then. Jesus brought his own first fruit offering of resurrection on the day of first fruits, on the day of his own resurrection. And the author just does one line about it. I can't remember if it's Mark or, or Matthew. All right. If that's not cool enough, we'll keep going. So he presents a burnt offering as a sweet aroma. Here it is, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Two young bulls, one ram, seven lambs. A grain offering of fine flour again. Don't forget the oil, et cetera, et cetera. One kind of beast. You can see it's this building up of all the things he's talked about weekly and monthly happened during this year. And its drink offering will be one-fourth of a hen for each lamb. In a holy place you will pour out, there's that drink offering, pour out the drink before the Lord as an offering. The other lamb you shall offer in the evening. Oh, it's these daily ones again, right? The daily ones happen during this yearly one in the morning grain offering. It's going to be offered by fire. And he again says, man, this is a sweet aroma to the Lord. So here's my question. Do you have annual ways in your life that you reflect on God giving his best? Now, for many of us, we call this Easter. But even Easter is like, you know, day for us. This was a seven-day time once a year to say, wow, we'd still be in Egypt if it wasn't for him. We'd still be under judgment if he hadn't made a way for judgment to pass over us. Would you dare to take once a year, not just an Easter Sunday or Easter Sunday morning, to really take time to reflect that God didn't just give us his leftovers. He gave us the most precious commodity in the world, Jesus' death on the cross. Because Paul says that Jesus is our Passover lamb. And did you know that when you volunteer in the children's ministry to cut crafts up so the kids have crafts on Sundays, God smells that as a sweet-smelling aroma? Did you know that when you greet people at the door or pass out programs, when you write that check to be part of what God's doing because you want other people to find Jesus as their Passover lamb, God smells that. He smells your faithfulness. He smells your thanksgiving. He smells your gratitude. He doesn't just smell it. He uses it. He uses those gifts of service, those gifts of finances, those gifts of love and conversations. Just start with maybe a new person. He uses those things to advance his kingdom so people can come and find Jesus, their forgiver. And I get to hear these stories every week of people who are on that journey, and they're on that journey because of the ways you've served. But I recently, we uh, videotaped a couple who have been watching online for many, many uh, months until they came here in person. And I want you to hear their story firsthand. Let's watch. I was a pediatric surgeon for a few years before I came to the U.S. I came here seven years ago, so I do research in pediatric liver disease at a, a children's hospital here. My husband, David, he uh, was here with work. Mm -hmm. The way we found Horizon Online was by Googling, I think, church in the Cincinnati area. And when we saw Horizon's website, and I think the homepage um, 
give a good overview of the ways to get involved and the ways to view, because at this time we were virtual, and uh, we looked at the beliefs of the church and found it was based in scripture and met some of the basic criteria we were looking for and started watching from there. And we got used to sitting in front of the TV and um, we didn't realize what was missing when I was watching the Sunday service, that there was a Saturday event for four critical decisions. And I secretly registered him to, <laughs> without telling him, but he was very happy. He, yeah, he, he finally felt like uh, we had a chance to really go out and interact with people. I think my first impression was when we were driving by uh, the church. It was very beautiful. It's like a castle. There are people standing there um, helping with traffic. And we felt welcomed. And we, we go all the way here into the church. There are people greeting us. Um, everybody is welcoming and respectful at the same time. We were both very excited sitting there. We're holding hands and look at each other and look at the stage. And it was, yeah. yeah. It's not like you have to be in the chapel. You have to um, sit there in the same room at the same time. One thing I found out that it's a flexibility the church has provided. There's no pressure at all what you choose to wear and whether you choose to sit in the chapel or you can sit in the hallway even with a TV and you have your own earbud, all these details. And there is a culture here to make it to perfection. Um, like when we go to church, there are many bagel selections. Sometimes they want to choose one, sometimes we want to try the other. In this church, I found that the bagels are cut into quarters. So you can decide which quarter you want. I'm pretty sure we can give a tour of the place, uh, even though we're so new, because our first visit, this guy found us, and we weren't sure who he was, but all of a sudden, we find ourselves on a tour of every inch of the building, every room, and uh, eventually we realize this, he's Bill, and he is like the head of maintenance, I think, in the grounds and facilities. That's an example that resonated with us from our very first visit. Bill took at least 20 minutes to, to make us feel like we were familiar with the place physically. And that led to some connections, which leads to another. And uh, now I have a volleyball game on Monday I need to attend, uh, apparently. And uh, again, you can't shake a hand online. I wish that more people will know that it is available here and come down and see people here in person. They will be amazed. That's how we felt. You know, it's so sweet for me as a pastor to hear that is there's so many little things. Again, I've, I've seen many of you pick up bagels who volunteer in that area or cut bagels into quarters saying, does this really matter? And it did. The original elders that set up the, the Bible-based doctrine that we have that they read who said, we want to put in our time and our energy to make that possible. The earbuds. I remember somebody coming up and saying, above and beyond my regular giving, is there anything uniquely we need about eight years ago? And so they gave an above and beyond gift and that gift was used to buy those earbuds. I mean, I could just go through almost every line they said. It points back to those of us who gave and did three-year pledges to give so this building, the castle, would be here to draw people to God. I mean, to me, it's been so exciting to see how God uses our gifts, our service, our attention to detail to draw people to know God and find this Passover. So thank you for your giving. Thank you for your faithfulness. And thank you, God, for the ways you're using us. And that's my challenge just as we leave today is to just make time for stakeouts. Make time for stakeouts. 
just think about it. I mean, as I've been talking today, what are the weekly, daily, monthly, or yearly patterns you need to put in place? For some of you, it might be writing a check for the first time to God's work here at Horizon. For some of you, it might be a, a daily Bible study that you want to start in rhythm. For some of you, it might be a weekly journaling of ways you're grateful for what God's doing in your life. But make time for stakeouts. Put rhythms in your life to align yourself to God. It's interesting because Paul picks up on this idea in Ephesians. And notice he ties into something from Numbers. When you walk in love, as Christ has loved us and given himself for us, you're an offering, you're a sacrifice to God as a, there it is, sweet-smelling aroma. These sacrifices aren't just things that you do in a temple back then. You and I now are the sacrifice, the living sacrifice. How we live, how we give, how we love, how we serve is the sweet-smelling aroma to God. If you need some ideas for some of those patterns, I'll just give you three as we, as we finish out today. Maybe you've been coming on Sundays but haven't got a chance to connect. We have a women's uh, uh, event that's coming up called Healthy Leadership in Life, and maybe for you that's a new pattern. It's coming up on, uh, on August here. You can see August 25th and 27th on Thursday evenings and mornings. Maybe you want to kind of get to know some people. That would be a new rhythm for you. Every year we have an annual rhythm, and that's our family fun night. If you've never been here, uh, we come out out by the lake. There's games out there. There's food trucks out there. It's a great chance to invite your friends and family and meet other people and, and not quite feast the time being so squished like on Sunday morning. Maybe that's an, uh, a rhythm you want to start in your life is just some fun meeting other people at Horizon. Or maybe besides your financial giving and check writing you're doing, you want some kind of pattern you and your family can be part of. We partner with Inner Parish Ministries here in Newtown with those blue bags, but right now we're in a very specific one to get backpacks. There's many families who cannot afford backpacks for school. You'll see them piled up in there. Maybe you want to grab a backpack, buy a backpack, go with your kids or your family, your grandkids to buy a backpack. A way of saying, God, we want to give our best to people who can't provide. They're the turtle dove people. But God, we want to give our very best because you've given your very best to us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your Passover. And thank you for these patterns that align us to you. Teach us how to live and give as generous offerings that you smell and that you are touched by. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, amen. Thanks for being here today. Again, whether you're watching from the tent or watching online, uh, if you are new to the church, we'd love to say hi. Third door on your left is a hearth room. We'd love to answer any questions or put a name with a face. See you all next week.